Welcome to the Behind the Wheel with OnRamp podcast. I'm your host, Blake Jennings, the president of OnRamp. And I am Rami Cerrone, the head of vehicle acquisitions for OnRamp. In this podcast, we share advice, tips, and tricks for non-car people about how to buy, sell, maintain, and enjoy everyday automobiles with a focus on reliability and low cost of ownership. We're going to introduce some new segments in today's podcast, and the first, which will be a recurring one, is the scam of the week. So, Rami, why don't you tell us about a particular scam that you saw, I think it was last week. Last week. This is actually a new one for us. Um, We were selling a truck that we got donated for on-ramp. And it was listed on all the regular sites, Facebook, Craigslist, and somebody messaged me and was asking all the right questions about the truck, good sign, and then wanted to come see it. And he said, hey, before I come see it, can you send me the TVR papers? And I hadn't heard of this yet, so I said, what's the TVR paper? And he responded, oh, you just go to this website. And he gave me a website, put in the info of the car, and that'll give me 50 Mm -hmm. sites of insurance. And I didn't know about that, so I looked it up. And it's actually just, it is a scam, and it's Mm -hmm. a way to steal your information because on this website, which looks legitimate, you have to put in your personal information, the car information, and I don't know what they're doing with it, but they're basically stealing your stuff. Yeah, so really good lesson there. If somebody sends you something that you're not familiar with, like please fill this out or please submit this, do a quick Google search on the company or the website. Uh, That one popped up really quickly that it was a source of um, trying to basically scam information off you or collect information so they could do whatever nefarious thing they're going to do with it. Exactly. And I always think about the innocent seller out there that doesn't know. wouldn't know. And, I mean, if if I wasn't diligent, I would have fallen for it. It's very easy. They sound good and convincing. Yep. Okay, so keep your eyes open. Lots and lots of scams in the used car market. Uh, Expect that it's a scam unless they prove otherwise. All right, next segment. Let's talk about the used car market. So what's the latest news? It is brutal. It is so tough. I mean, we're looking for cars for clients, and but I just always put myself in the normal person's shoes who's looking for a car that they need for transportation. It's hard. There's scams out there, it seems to be, that... Um, most of the ads aren't even real. There's a lot of $1,200 cars out there yeah. which don't exist. Yeah. Um, but, and also the prices just keep going up. For example, we just bought a Civic. We're actually buying it today. Mm-hmm. And we bought the same Civic probably six months ago, $1,000 cheaper six months ago. Yeah. And now we're wrapping our heads around it that this is the price for yeah. a used car. And it's hard, but... We need cars. People need yeah. cars. And if they don't sell it to us, they're going to sell it to somebody That's else right. tomorrow. That's right. The market is really tight. We talked about how um, Rami and others who work with him, and then m- myself as well, we're just seeing far fewer vehicles that are le- you know, legitimate. We see plenty of scams out there, but, but solid vehicles that you'd actually want to buy, they are rare right now. We saw in the news this week uh, that the average age of the fleet of cars on American roads is the highest it has ever been, uh, which means that people are holding on to those used cars longer than ever because they can't buy new cars because so few are around. So uh, as of now, beginning of June 2022, it is very difficult to buy used cars. If for any, if there's any way you cannot buy, uh, please don't right now. Give it more time. I talked to a friend of mine who's in the uh, dealership business. He's a partial owner of a dealership, and he said currently they're they're expecting this not to resolve itself till July 2023. So wow. about a year till we're going to see the used car market improve. So just be aware of that. Be careful, um, and 
and pray a lot if you're a praying type that the right vehicle will come along. Uh, okay, next, lesson of the week. We learned a, a, an interesting lesson this week. Yeah, we always recommend PPI, which is pre-purchase inf- inspections. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, we look at enough cars. We usually do our own, mm-hmm. and we have what's called a code scanner that we plug into each car. So I went to see a local car. I don't think the guy was being dishonest. He told me there was a check engine light. He told me it was for an oxygen sensor, something mm-hmm. small, which mm-hmm. is no big deal. So I went to see it. I plugged in my code reader, and it, it's actually the catalytic converters that were failing, Yes. which uh, O2 sensor is $100 maybe. Catalytic converter is thousands right. of dollars. Again, he wasn't being deceitful, but if I would have believed him, if I wouldn't have had my scanner, yep. I would have bought it and been stuck with a $3,000 bill on a $6,000 yep. car. If you're wondering about those scanners, they're, they're called OBD scanners. You can get one on Amazon for, I think they probably start about 30 bucks. You can get a better one for 50 or $60. They're very inexpensive. You may have a friend that you could just borrow, uh, but they can save you a lot of money because they can find out what exactly is wrong with the vehicle. So always check the check engine light codes, the OBD2 sensor. Um, Another one that is more nefarious that we've seen is sometimes people will go in and use a scanning tool like that and clear the codes right before you show up to test drive. So there will be no check engine light on, and they will not tell you that the check engine light had been on. Uh, And so what in those cases, you plug in your scanner, you turn the car on, you could even drive it a little bit, and the scanner will tell you, hey, there is a code, even if the light's not on, there's something going on here. So always pays to be careful there. Uh, all right. Well, our, our next little segment of the week is just uh, hits and misses. So what vehicles did we, what vehicle did we each like, like the best or dislike the most that OnRamp has dealt with in the last uh, couple weeks? And I'll, I'll start with a vehicle that I really liked that I wasn't aware of, a little Toyota Matrix. So the interesting thing is uh, a Toyota Matrix is actually a Toyota Corolla, but you wouldn't know that from the name. But it's the same drivetrain, same, uh, really, almost all the same parts inside. So uh, you get into this little Toyota Matrix, and the cool thing is it's a Corolla with a hatchback. And I'm going to tell you, I love a hatchback. There's, It's so practical. Uh, it's so useful. You open up the back. You have a lot of flexibility. The seats can go down. Uh, that vehicle was great, and I'd take another 10 of them in a heartbeat. Good. And then one of my favorites um, that we drove, um, Joey DeWolf, one of the guys that helps mm-hmm. us a lot, he found a Mazda 5, which is basically a minivan in a car. Yes, yes. It's got sliding doors, just like a minivan. Yep. It's got six seats, yep. almost like a minivan, but it's the size of a car. It's small. And it's amazing. Yeah, it's I drove perfect. it, and I was like, this is perfect. Yeah. It's a great size, easy to get around, probably 30 miles per gallon. Yeah. It was relatively cheap compared to a minivan. Yeah. So, yeah, that was my favorite of the week. It's cheaper, and, and the interesting thing about those Mazda 5s, um, people tend to stay away from because, like, the doors aren't the electric doors that slide. You know, you push a button and slide open. And we, we all love that. I mean, how great is that? You just push the button and your door slides open. That's great if you're buying the vehicle new. But if you're in the used car market and you're looking at minivans that are 10 or 15 years old, the more automation, the more you're going to have to fix. And so the wonderful thing about that Mazda 5 is that the doors are manual and they're not going to break. Those doors are going to be working 100 years from now. (laughs) Whereas my Honda Odyssey with the fancy gizmos that automatically open it, I've had to fix it three times so far because it's just a lot of motors and devices and things in there. So um, if you're in the used car market, sometimes it pays to go for a simpler vehicle with less features because there's less stuff to break that you have to repair. 
Okay, well, now we're going to talk about kind of our key subject of the day. Rami and I wanted to talk a little bit about what we do when we actually show up to look at a vehicle and test drive it. So just to clarify where that you would be in the process here, let's say you've decided to buy a used car, you've set your budget, you've done your research, you've found a vehicle that interests you, you've run the Carfax report, it's all clean, it looks good, you've researched the seller and you feel good about it, you've kind of done all your due diligence on it, and now you're actually showing up to look at the vehicle. What do you do when you're there? So Rami's going to talk about some of the things that he looks for while the vehicle's parked, and then I'll talk about some of the things that I do when I'm test driving the vehicle. All right, so this is a pretty important step. But first, when you get there, walk around the car. Even last week, I looked at a car, and one of the doors was a different color than the other. It wasn't disclosed that it had been in an accident, but they don't come from the factory with two different colors. I mean, it was a very <laughs> slight shade of yeah, silver. Yeah, you have to look carefully. You have to yeah. look, but it was definitely a different color, and I asked the buyer. I was like, hey, what happened to this door? He goes, oh, yeah, I noticed that too. Again, if I wouldn't have noticed, I would have yep. never known. It's been repainted, or it's been in an accident. Mm -hmm. Another thing, the smell of mold or mildew. I mean, after you look around the car, Get inside and just sit there. First, mm -hmm. if you smell, it's a very distinct odor. That means it's been leaked in or something's happened, perhaps flooded. Um, I noticed a car a few weeks ago. I opened the trunk, and you just pull up the carpet where the spare tire would be, and there was water sitting down there. Oh, gosh. There's a sign. I yeah. mean, something got leaked. Yeah. Uh, the same car, actually. I looked up where the sunroof would be, and it was discolored. So that means yeah. it had a leak at some point. Yeah through the roof. And talking about smells, the other thing to be aware of is if you get in the car and it smells like cigarette smoke, oh, gosh. realize that is incredibly hard to get out. We've so been, We've actually yeah. had a car that <laughs> I've tried six, seven different it's tricks. It's been months that we've been trying to get the cigarette smoke out of that car. And if I, it's been smoked in a lot, you will probably never succeed in completely getting it out. So decide ahead of time if you're okay driving around in something that smells like cigarettes because it always will. Right, man. We're not. And that's yeah. probably a good question <laughs> yeah. to ask before you even see the car. Has it, it been in? smoked? That's to? right. Because that's not going away. Um, another thing, as soon as you sit inside, check the windows. Two cars that I've seen in the last month, the windows went down but didn't go up. Again, this is information that they could have given me before I came to see the car, but test that. They said, oh, yeah, it's finicky sometimes. If it's finicky sometimes, that means all the time, and that means you're stuck with a bill mm -hmm. to fix it. So those are the basics. Check the AC. Sit in the car. Turn on the AC. See if it blows cold from all the vents. I think yeah. we bought a van recently that it didn't blow cold from the passenger side. Yeah. Again, could be minor, but yep. just something to know. Yep. Um, and check the radio. Make sure it works. Make sure the windshield wipers, the seats, if they're power seats, make sure they work. Mm -hmm. Go up and down. We had a car recently that didn't work, so wherever you put the seat... That's where it is. <laughs> yeah, um, and on all those, the nice thing is, as you check those things out, you're you're obviously making a decision about what you, whether you want to buy the car. But also, anything that is off that the seller didn't disclose becomes a negotiating point. So, like that minivan where the AC was only coming out of a couple of the vents, the the buyer or the seller didn't realize that, and we negotiated. It was about two hundred fifty dollars for the part to fix that, and we took that off the price. And he was uh, he worked with us on that. So, yeah, and then while you're walking around, look at the tires. That's an expensive thing that you may have to replace. Look at the tread. Look that there is tread. There's a way you can look it up online. You can tell mm -hmm. the date of tires. If they're more than five years old, just plan that you're going to have to replace them. Um, and, again, just looking around the windshield. Windshield costs money. There's rubber around the windows and doors. Check that out because if it's dry, rotted, missing, 
you're going to have to replace it. And then one more thing, this is something you have to be a little more careful with. Look at the gaps. I mean, cars from the factory yeah. in general come with even gaps, like where you open and close the doors or yeah, the hood. Yeah, between body panels and, yeah. Yeah, and one sign of a not well-repaired vehicle is the gaps are uneven, and it's usually pretty noticeable. You'll mm -hmm. see the hood on one side that's an inch wide and the other side that's <laughs> half an inch. It's pretty noticeable, but yeah. it's a thing that you need to be aware of. Yeah. That's great. Okay, so um, it is, as Rami goes through these things, if you're trying desperately to write them down, you don't need to do that. We actually have our, our whole checklist that Rami and I use on our website. If you go to onramptx.org and click resources, you'll see a, a variety of resources for buying a used car. One of them is a vehicle inspection checklist. So you can download that and uh, it walks you through. It has all these things that Rami's mentioning and you just check them as you go. Uh, the next section of that document walks you through how to do a test drive. And it, it's important to when you when you drive the car, which probably you already know to do that, uh, a lot of people drive it in a way that doesn't actually give them a lot of information. So we want to tell you how to do a test drive well. Um, when you do a test drive, you're going to do a number of different things. It's not just get in and drive a little bit. It's thinking through a few key things. So the first thing that you do in a test drive is simply you start the vehicle. And in the best case scenario, the vehicle is cold when you start it, meaning it wasn't just driven to wherever you are. It's been sitting for a couple hours. That really helps to know the condition of the vehicle, and particularly the engine. Uh, it can be much harder to start cold than to start warm. So if the car is hot and it's time to do it, you don't really have much control there, but in an ideal world, the vehicle would have been sitting for an hour or two, and you can get a sense of how easily it starts. If it does not start easily, or if it cranks for a long time, if it makes funny noises, or if it blows out smoke from the tailpipe, those are all things that are good to know that tell you that there's a problem with the engine and that you need to be aware of. Once you do get it started and you're heading out um, on the road, there's a couple key tests that you're going to want to do um, while you're, you're driving around. The first is what we call a wide open throttle test. And it doesn't mean like go 120 miles an hour. A uh, wide open throttle test means you're going to floor it, but at 20 miles an hour. So get to a place, a roadway that's safe. There's no one around. You're not in any kind of danger. Um, and you have the ability to kind of go in a straight line and, and you're going at 20 miles an hour. So watch the speedometer. You're going 20 to 25 miles an hour and then you floor it. And you just floor it for a moment. You, you're not trying to accelerate a lot. You're getting up to 30 or 35 miles an hour. But when you floor it, what you're feeling for is that the, the engine accelerates smoothly and the car shifts smoothly. So what the car should do, if you're just lazily going down the road at 20 miles an hour and then you floor it, the transmission should downshift smoothly to a lower gear and the car should accelerate. And then when you're done accelerating, it should upshift back to that high gear for good fuel efficiency. And you're feeling the transmission Does, as the engine revs up and down is the transmission shifting easily. One of the things we commonly come across in the used car market is automatic transmissions that are worn out. And when you do that wide open throttle test, it, they will clunk or they will not shift or the engine will rev all of a sudden really high, which means the transmission is slipping. Uh, you will get a sense of the, of the quality of the transmission or the health of the transmission. And you got to realize transmissions are many thousands of dollars to repair or replace. So you want it to shift smoothly. That An example is uh, early Honda Odysseys, which we love Honda Odysseys, but the early ones frequently have automatic transmission failures that would be evidenced by this test. So wide open throttle, 20 to 30 miles an hour, feeling for smooth shifts. Second major test is what we call the alignment test. So you're going down the road at a moderate speed, again, safe, no one around you, no, no risk. Uh, what you want to do is be on a, on a smooth, flat, straight piece of road, and you want to kind of relax your grip on the, on, the, on the steering wheel and feel, is it tracking straight? 
Or is it pulling to the left? Or is it pulling to the right? If it's pulling one way or another, at a minimum, it needs an alignment. At worst case scenario, the car may have been in an accident and something's bent and now it just doesn't go down the road straight. And that's, if it's that case, that's a big deal. So you're feeling for alignment. Does it, does it track straight? Does it feel good? Um, and I suggest doing that in a straight line as you're coasting, but then also try it accelerating and try it braking. So you put the brakes on and like, does it suddenly yank to the left or yank to the right? That's a problem. Similar with the acceleration. So you're just seeing, does this car drive, you know, straight and, and in the way I expect. The final test is when you get back to the parking lot, wherever it is, um, you're going to test the engine mounts. And how you do this is actually really easy. You take the car and you put, you hold the brake all the way down. So you're obviously, you're in a stopped. You hold the brake all the way down. You put the car in drive and you accelerate. You're not, you're not moving forward. The car shouldn't go anywhere because your brake is completely on. What you're doing is you're seeing when the engine is forced to try to turn the wheels, does the engine stay where it's supposed to or does it shake around? Around. And that, if it shakes around or it jumps, that's a sign of failed engine mounts, that, that the engine is not supported the way that it should. So you test it in drive, then you do the same thing, you put it in reverse while you're holding the, the brakes down and you, and you accelerate. You don't have to floor it, but you accelerate real quick and see does the engine stay where it should. All of these things give you a, a sense of the overall health of the vehicle. And again, if something's wrong, just put it on your list of things to negotiate about or walk away if the uh, seller won't negotiate or if there's too much that seems messed up. Another thing, when you're test driving, keep the radio off. You already tested the radio, yes. but you need to be listening for sounds. Like, especially, I like going over bumps. You'll yes. hear creak, creaking, squeaking, something. That's absolutely. Again, hints. And I also like to make a U-turn, a tight U-turn with the car, because you'll hear clicking if the yes. CV axles are... And do it both ways. Oh, uh, good idea. Turn to the left, turn to the right, tight turn. That's a great point. Hit a pothole with each side of the car, the left side, the right side. Um, like Rami said, ra radio off. I sometimes turn the, like I'll have the AC on some to test it, but then I'll turn it off so I'm not hearing the fan and I can just hear the car. And I'll do it with windows up and then I'll try it with windows down because sometimes you'll hear things differently. But, yep. And another thing, make sure you're telling if the um, seller is coming with you, make sure you tell them what you're doing so yeah. you don't all of a <laughs> sudden floor it or all of a sudden take a left <laughs> turn. So let them know what you're doing just so they're comfortable with you. You don't scare people. Yep. So you're, again, our list of things will walk you through all these steps and give you stuff to check off as you go. So anyways, that gives you a sense of what to do when you're looking at the car. Anything else uh, there that you I think we covered that, the basics. Yeah. And again, always call us, contact us. We're glad to help. Yep. We love yep. this stuff. We do it every day. Yep. It makes us happy. As we mentioned in an earlier, uh, in an earlier podcast, when you're there at the car, um, don't, don't take the seller's excuses to not do it the way you want. Take your time. If he's trying to rush you, Man, maybe you need to walk away. If he wants to meet in the dark, oh, nope. no, no never. meeting in the never, dark. Never, never, never. <laughs> always daytime, always light. Um, wear clothes you can get down on your hands and knees and look under the car and look all through everything. And if the if the seller is is uh, giving you the evil eye or trying to rush things along, then move yes. along. He's hiding something. Normally we say there's lots of cars out there. There isn't lots of cars out there today, <laughs> but it's better but it's to walk better. away. <laughs> yeah, if you got to take Uber for another month, still better than buying a, a, an awful vehicle. All right, uh, as we wrap this up, we're going to do a quick story of the week, but we'll make this one real short um, and remind you guys that you can follow OnRamp Stories on our blog, which is on our website. If you just click onramptx.org, right up at the top it says blog, and you can see all of our stories and updates about our, our ministry and our work. You can subscribe also to get email notifications of new blog posts, either on our homepage or on the blog page. Um, the story of the week, which you'll have to go read more about it because it's pretty crazy. We never had a situation like this. We had a family who was 
rescued from Afghanistan last year when the country fell. Uh, they had been, uh, one of their sons had been kidnapped. They were threat. Their li- they fortunately got their son back, but then the kidnappers came after them. The Taliban came after them because they had worked with Texas A&M and with the U.S. government on agricultural products or projects, and the Taliban didn't think highly of that. Uh, and the story of rescue is amazing they, it, and, and terrifying. They were there in the pictures of, of the airport in Kabul as it was being swarmed by thousands of desperate Afghans trying to get out. They were there three days. They just missed being caught up in the suicide bomb that went off there. They ended up uh, being driven out of Afghanistan and then rescued out of Pakistan and then finally made it here to Bryan College Station and found, as most people do, that you can't get around our town without a car. So we uh, were able to give them a minivan last week, which was really fun. So all the details of the story and pictures of their sweet family are available on our blog. You can follow for more. So that was, uh, was Client 102. Good. Awesome numbers. And yeah. a, it's a goosebump story, so definitely yeah, read this one. It's a really good one. And we just got uh, a vehicle yesterday for our next waiting client. So maybe we'll tell that story next time. Had to find him a, a SUV, which, man, that talk about a lot of money, <laughs> buying an SUV in today's market. All right. Thank you for joining us for Behind the Wheel with OnRamp. Uh, I'm Blake Jennings. And I'm Rami Cerrone. And we love getting to talk to you about used cars. So please share this with your friends, with anybody who is looking to buy or sell a used car or just wants to know more about how to take care of their vehicle. Thanks for joining us.